This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. You're about to get wrecked. Rotowire's dedicated esports podcast, where we talk about all the latest events and what that means to you, the fans. Here's your host, Joe Bartle and Kevin Hill. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two of Rotowire's esports dedicated podcast, Get Wrecked. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me today is the wonderful, wonderful Kevin Hit. Hey, Joe. Uh, episode two. Glad to be here. Got a lot of things to talk about today. And uh, no joke, man. This is good times. Good time to be in esports uh, with all the events that are going on. Can't wait You're going to gonna dive give esports them. a compliment, but not me. I just called you wonderful twice. That's a big deal. Well, Joe, I appreciate I am wonderful. And, you know, you know, you have that Midwestern charm. You're that you're the guy next door. And, Gosh. Uh, yeah. So we'll give that to you. You're the the adorable midwestern guy next door well uh aside from our compliments we can go ahead and talk a little bit more esports stuff league of legends a lot of moves that have happened recently and a lot more that could still potentially be on the horizon we're going to talk about csgo star ladder invitational kevin i know you're really jacked about that and uh we got a little bit of joe's favorite game call of duty a big move happened yesterday with aches replacing nelson on 100 thieves we'll see if that can actually make them fall into the playoffs well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to have James on today. This guy is a League of Legends savant. Uh, he knows the meta, he knows the patches, he knows just about everything there is to know. So being a guy on the outside, I'm looking forward to hearing James. And there's a lot of things going on in the world of esports with uh, CSGO, as we have teams dropping out of tournaments and players switching teams. Uh, a lot of stuff to report, some good, some bad, but I'm looking forward to diving into it. Well, and what a great intro that is, because we are going to have Rotowire's very own James Dreamweaver Bates on to talk about a few of the League of Legends moves that have taken place so far and what he thinks this uh, the rosters on North America and Europe might look like come the start of the summer split. So without further ado, James Dreamweaver Bates, how's it going? 
That's going well. Thanks for the uh, the invite to be here. It's a nice I show. I thought you'd yeah. be way more excited. Uh, this is my excited voice. I know it's hard to tell. Yeah, oh, screw wow. North America, <laughs> League of Legends. We need to work on that. <laughs> I've been told that that's my, uh, one of my biggest problems in communication, is that it's very difficult to tell when I'm excited. This is my excited voice. I just thought it was difficult because you don't like North American League of Legends. I don't like North... Well... <laughs> I think like you're mischaracterizing my position on a few things here, Kevin. Well, that that could be potentially true. But James, tell us about your stance on North American League of Legends. I think that it my stance on them currently is different from my historical stance on them. How is that? It's very difficult for me to slam North American League of Legends when they just finished second in a large international tournament. So there you go. That's I, I, a think, compliment. I, I think it's a loaded question that you you're asking maybe, me here, Kevin. Do you think maybe even, I, even if I can't justify the justify away the reasons why they finished so high? Do you, do you think maybe I knew that and I was talking you into saying something good about North America? I say that their seating is very lucky. And they're very good at having the enemy teams underperform and placing, playing against them. All right. Fair enough, my man. All right. Well, let's get off this North American talk right now. What was the biggest surprise that you found, at least player movement-wise, thus far in the offseason? Well, if you're talking about surprise, I actually would have to say that uh, uh, TSM Biofrost is probably the biggest surprise for me in the offseason. Also, on the same note, if this ends up being confirmed, the removal of Hanser from the TSM roster is all, as well is also perhaps even a larger surprise. I know Biofrost went into the playoff, the, the tryouts in Korea, looking to be the presumptive support. But there was rumors that like players like Peekaboo and other really high-tier Korean talent were trying out against him. So it was kind of surprising that he ended up being the one uh, selected. And I think that he'll have a lot to demonstrate to us in the next split to make him make that ch- choice seem rational. Wait, so you mean Sven and Mithy aren't even up on your discussion list right now? Well, I would say that Sven and Mithy are definitely. If we're, if we're going to switch, we're going to switch leagues here. I wanted to stick to North America because we've already, uh, we've already, <laughs> as you've already proven to me, Kevin, there's a certain North American bias in this conversation already. So I would say the Sven and Mithy drama. I would, I, I wouldn't even say it's just a roster move. I would say the drama surrounding it was certainly uh, interesting. I would say that it doesn't quite fit your c- category because it wasn't surprising. I think. There was a lot of speculation about it going into MSI that Emperor and Hybrid were probably getting cut, and that was a big part of why they were underperforming at the event. Uh, but it's definitely a big movement. Had that come out of nowhere, it would have 100% been the surprise of the uh, surprise of the split because it's hard to imagine an organization like Origin releasing the death hold on such a talented bottom lane that, <laughs> if we're being honest, carried them through the regular season. The only reason they made it into playoffs were those two players. And it's going to be uh, a big... Okay, so I know that you're talking about Sven and Mithy for a second, but if we're going into more... Hey, Joe, uh, look, I have situation... a question for James. Is, is, is there a lack of regulation in roster changes and things like that? Or w- once you drop a player, is there at any time where they can't participate further in a split? I mean... What are kind of some of the rules about, you know, getting dropped and then adding? What are some of these uh, roster change rules that maybe people don't know about? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll to be straight up with you in the first forgetting and say that I haven't really read the LCS rulebook in the last, its most recent incarnation. Uh, they might have well changed the rules. As we know that in North America and Europe are both changing the way their split is run to best okay. of two and best of, or best of three and best of two respectively. Okay. So this might have changed, but previously all not being on a roster at the beginning of the split meant was that no team could pick you up for the first four games of the split. There would be, there'd be that cooldown period where they have to play the roster they declared in some form. Okay. And then they were able to make switch changes that they saw fit. So being kicked off of a team right before last lock happened wasn't 
a death knell for your career during that split, especially because lower tier teams that are struggling will tend to make lots of roster changes, especially if you're in Europe. That's a very, very common thing. North America is much more stable, but a European pro doesn't have to worry about so much about so what that. what's the impetus behind uh you know having them not be able to play for four games what's what's the reason that they're just simply not able to play for the first four games after being dropped that's kind of confusing to me well it's not that the player themselves isn't allowed to play for four games it says the organizations are forced to play with the with the roster ah, they declared got it got it okay and it's mostly to keep uh some some ro- some roster movement hijinks under control there have been situations where before such rules existed that that was abused uh, or you had a different, you had different team. You had teams showing up with five new players in between different. I mean, games. have you found that to be effective? You, I know you've been watching the game for a while. Do you feel like these rules have been an effective implementation? I think at LCS, it's almost sort of immaterial because if you really make that kind of movement early on in LCS, it's there's a big opportunity cost with changing a roster in the big leagues. Uh, the rule, as I recall, and I, I don't want to be quoted necessarily on this. It was made enforced for the Challenger series, okay. where roster movements are much more common, and this kind of finagling, especially early on in the split, early on in the game's history, most Challenger teams were just the academy teams, quote unquote, sure. of an LCS organization. So what it was doing was keeping, say, Fnatic, you know, Fnatic, you know, as Fnatic Academy and Fnatic the LCS team, they couldn't just, for a pivotal, pivotal NACS or EUCS game, they couldn't just shuffle all of their LCS team into their Challenger Series okay, team. Okay, so they could easily drop, win. Yeah, then... they couldn't drop one of their top talent. Let's say they have seven guys that are really good, and they could not drop two uh, down to that Challenger team to yeah, attempt to get them to that top tier. That's exactly it. Oh, and it. they just, I think they enforced the rule in LCS just for consistency's sake. Okay, uh, hold on. But what about the rule with the you have to stay two years in America, and now it's being bumped to four potentially? Yeah, talk about that. Uh, you know. The, the word in the scene is that it specifically is a I want to don't want to say a shot taken at Team Liquid. They have the most high-profile import I'd say North America, uh, Piglet, their AD carry, former world champion. Uh, they were jokingly talking about making eventually making a roster of just all Korean players because their Korean players were naturalizing both Piglet and Phoenix. And I think that Riot has a lot of stake in not necessarily allowing that to happen. Uh, they don't really want to get domestic North American players just sort of kicked out of the league. So how much control does Riot really have? I mean, are they really just, uh, you know, judge, jury, and executioner over uh, all the rules that that go on in League of Legends? Well, from my experience working with the LCS teams, they, they do often confer with other owner, owners about some changes, but in, in, in a lot of cases. But in some other cases where they feel like competitive integrity is at stake, that's where they will make unilateral movements that might seem extreme, which is it's the it's the number one thing that they value by their mission statement is a competitive integrity and so they will react very violently to protect that oh wow okay so but now this is coming from a guy that is grown up in sports like baseball football basketball all my life and i'm still getting introduced into this these new and i guess you described violent ways of changes happening do you really feel like that's the best way to handle a situation with a growing league in dota 2 and esports as a whole that's a it's putting me on the spot pretty harshly there joe i, I don't bet. that's a great <laughs> question I, 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 I will preface my answer with saying that i don't pretend to be a i i judge myself as an analyst and how the game is played as whether i'm a business analyst or not is an entirely different question however i say that there's there's ups and downs you can compare directly riot's approach to valve's approach and they both have in many ways their own strengths and weaknesses riot does have the ability when something exploitive that is actually making the competitive landscape less fair for everybody involved, they do have the p- power to stamp that out immediately. And there is value in being able to unilaterally make decisions that 
everybody knows needs to be made. Like a, a big example I would use is we talked about before, I know previously we have conversations with the situation with Team Dragon Knights and Renegades. Uh, their collabor- their collusion was a very widely known, uh, if not fact, then almost fact amongst everybody on the scene uh, who delves into such things. And while Riot's justification and their transparency wasn't necessarily uh, up to par, I would say they weren't very good at explaining how they came to the decisions they did. Uh, very few people who aren't directly related to those organizations who are involved in the scene question that this this decision had to be made. And I think that's a value that having that sort of control has. Is I'm that- not going to knock that opinion because I think that there's some truth to it. But when you're saying not everyone was that knew about it or didn't know about it, players on Twitter were saying, like, we had no idea this was happening or these these – accusations are being thrown uh, around that's because they want to play on other teams they have to say the right thing yeah i don't want to throw throw anybody under the bus but i know these players some some of these players and they were they, Politically they, correct. They knew, they knew what was. They knew. They didn't. Might not have known that this exactly was happening, but they knew that something very big was happening. If Riot is sending investigators to talk to all of the players on a team, it's usually it, it's not good. <laughs> it's not going to end well. Well, it's it's funny because a lot of times when you are uh, in the know, so to speak, you guys hear the rumors and you guys talk amongst yourselves, so you guys know what's going on. And it's funny because the casual fan or even the in-depth fan that maybe doesn't have the access to the players and the owners, they really don't know what's going on. So it's funny to me because where there's smoke there's fire and uh, I think that this rings true that there was some collusion and uh, I I would love to see the documents actually but it's funny because Riot's a private enterprise they don't have to show us anything if they don't feel like it but I would love to see the documents that were filled out by the teams and how they answered the questions and then it would take you four days to read that yeah no joke but I'd like to see how Riot came to their conclusion and so that's kind of the reason you know I ask about the roster changes and I'm asking about um you know how organizations are run because we're at a time where we can fall off the cliff or we can find a peak to jump up to in order to uh, continue to make this uh, esport thing work so james these are absolutely insightful answers and uh, i've learned a lot from you just in the last 10 15 minutes oh stop complimenting him so much i thought you can't even compliment me once but then my you headset's just... not even going to fit my head pretty soon it's <laughs> No, there's no real like bar to move it bigger. <laughs> okay, well you're talking about peak jumping. Let's talk about peak jumping for the NA and EU teams uh, for the summer uh. split. Oh, don't give me that sigh. I know you're excited to talk about it. Stop it. Which team do you feel like James uh, made the biggest improvements during the off season for both Europe and North America? Ah, see, that's an interesting question. The biggest improvement. Uh, I feel like in a lot of ways it's difficult to assess what's going to happen before a split starts for because for example i i'm very cautious about saying this as i was one of the people who said that last split team solo mid is likely the best team in north america you know they had they they had one pre one of my former uh, I, would, I would like to say mentors as their head coach they had pretty much the best five players you could ask for in every position that they could acquire that speak english uh there was just too many things that were stacked on this roster for it to fail, and yet most of the split it did. Uh, so it's sort of hard to say what the most improved will be because there's a lot of internal things that are hard to assess beforehand. But if I was to give it a a, a little you know a shot from the hip, as it were, <laughs> I'd say in terms of most improved, I would likely point towards 
well, it's hard not to point at teams that were miserable to begin with and say that they now have like steps that they can go go up. Like NRG, I think their roster changes may well have solved a lot of the problems that they saw with their team beforehand. They had a lot of big problem with actually doing anything. I, I know it's really not saying a lot, but this is a team where they mostly just won because their opponents would make some very large miscalculation and they would exploit it and then they would win from nowhere Sounds after like doing a nothing sound for strategy, waiting for somebody to make a mistake and then jumping all over. It sounds pretty sure. sound. But a team that's good at doing that will help make those mistakes. And in Europe, uh, it's hard not to say G2. Um, I, I know, well, no, I won't say G2 because I, I think this Venom Mythy combo is really good, but I don't think it's necessarily what the team need. I will say Fnatic then. Uh, having Yellowstar back onto the team, if you watched Fnatic play 2015 split where they were the best team in the West and probably the best Western team that has or possibly ever will exist, uh, oh, wow, that's, they, had a, they had very decisive, big. very decisive play. You know, Yellowstar would say, we're going to kill that guy. He would do his thing and everybody would just swarm them and they would win the fight by killing that guy. You know, it's, it's a simplification, but that's something we really lacked in this, sp this spring split, 2016 spring, where Fnatic was a team where you had lots of individual talent and you saw that in the games, but you very rarely saw that talent used towards any singular purpose. You really just had Fepevin and Reckless trying to move the team around the map and around themselves. But that only really seemed effective when Fepevin was playing a pick like Lissandra that really gave him the control in team fights to start the fights the way Yellowstar used to. And I think that having Cly off the team, there's no way to be nice about it. He was kind of a detriment overall. And having their time-honored captain, you know, the captain of Fnatic for forever, uh, back, back where he belongs, that, that will hopefully help them get back up to at least being a decent team in the region. Let's go back to the improvement play. Do you feel like the teams that improved the most have improved to a point where they could be in contention for the championships in, in their respective splits? Well, I think Fnatic already was in the last split. They had a pretty, they had a pretty convincing series against G2. Not, not, yeah, they were against G2. Sorry. Uh, pretty convincing series they didn't get stopped by any stretch of the imagination i mean they ended up they, they proved they were a top three team especially by the way they beat h2k before so i think that team that's their playoff contention and, and that's a safe bet to say uh, fanatic is always in playoff contention they're too big of a name to ever really fall it's like tsm tsm is always going to be in the playoffs in north america uh for the north american side i too, it's just there's been too many movements too many reacquisitions of orgs and we don't even have all the rosters posted up it's just too hard for me to say that any one team is going to suddenly be so good you know i think nrg will probably look better i will say that and probably a lot better but whether they're going to look better than clg who's now sticking with the same roster who just came off of you know beating the flash wolves and rng in international competitions that's an entirely different thing well i think that's all i have for you question wise and i know kevin's giving me the face like he has no idea what he's talking about anymore so i think it's a good time to call out there too james i appreciate you coming on and talking with us um where can the people follow you at on twitter it would be uh, at coach dreamweaver but there is no e before the r at the end there is a character limit on twitter unfortunately oh. and that is the uh <laughs> that's the unfortunate truth you might want to put it post a link into your by your podcast if you really want that i to think we it. have the technology for that thankfully i hope you do hey coming soon <laughs> i mean i'm glad you count do the 140 <laughs> characters james i um you blow me away man your knowledge of the game is outstanding and uh even though i don't follow league of legends uh as closely as i probably should i've learned a lot from you today and uh i appreciate your time man that was awesome well, i don't i don't follow csgo as well as i should either so yeah it's a there's a give and take there for sure hey we can learn from each other not man. to mention the normal sports which i think you 
guys could easily blow me away on. What is this second base that you speak of? <laughs> well, it all de- it all depends on what you're talking about, my man. Yep, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Whether I'm getting to second or running to second are two entirely different things. We're James, getting way off topic. James, thank you so much for being here. No problem. You guys have a good night. All right, take care. After that riveting conversation about League of Legends, let's go to our sponsors, Alpha Draft. Are you an esports fan? Prove your skills and join hundreds of thousands of players to create your fantasy lineup. Alpha Draft is the best place to play fantasy esports, and it's easy to start. Choose the contest you would like to join. Next, pick your favorite players, then watch as their stats update live. After the games are finished, you can collect your winnings. Watching your favorite game has never been more fun than when you have something on the line. Be Alpha and sign up today on AlphaDraft.com. James Dreamweaver Bates. Talk about a League of Legends savant. That guy knows just about everything there is to know about the game. For me, it's exciting to know that there are people out there that uh, care about their sports that much, man. Well, it's just, it's nice to have somebody like that on staff because he knows what he's talking about. I mean, you talk about savant, that's what you were saying. Probably a good word of putting it. Uh, he's, he's terrific with his knowledge of the game. And even better, he does a great job of explaining it. At least when I'm asking questions and trying to learn more, he's doing a great job of putting into words for me to even comprehend because there is a lot that's happening in the game. And there's it's nice to have people like that on staff who can really help you out and explain what's going on. You know, it's funny because, you know, obviously, you know, with us at Rotowire, our notes go out to ESPN, they go out to Yahoo, they go out to, uh, you know, various different places. James's notes are so intense. He gets so involved in the nuances of what's happening that you can learn almost uh, what League of Legends is about just by reading his notes. That well, guy, yeah, and it's yeah. not even just his notes, but you go and look at his articles, too, and I know he's going to have some more coming out prior to the summer split. He goes so in-depth. He's like the Zach Lowe or Bill Barnwell of esports. I love it. <laughs> I'm excited to see how those different rosters play out against each other uh, coming up in future competitions. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about CSGO Star Ladder iLeague Invitational. Oh, I know it's a mouthful, but you know what? <laughs> there was a lot that's happened even prior to the tournament. Like, you know, the whole team's not even being set just day before the actual event's going to occur. Oh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm writing my article. I'm writing the preview. and I wake up and I see that two teams have withdrawn from the tournament and there are two other. I had already submitted the article, so I panicked. I'm all over the place and uh, racing to, you know, change predictions and change the teams. But I mean, Tyloo withdrew. Uh, and got replaced by Born of Fire. Um, they withdrew, but you know, before that, even going back, they had the number one team in the world locked up in this tournament. They had Luminosity Gaming, and talk about a team that would bring you know numbers to your stream, bring sponsors. They were the first to drop, so losing Luminosity was kind of a big deal. But then Tyloo withdrew, then Born of Fire withdrew because of uh, visa issues. Then they get replaced by Worst Players, which is funny because they're having a very good tournament. Okay, so Lounge Gaming, all their players bail, and they turn into Gobri and Gaming. So, withdraws, name changes, uh, roster movement. There's a lot of things that happened in this tournament before the games even got played. So Yeah, it, it seemed like you had a lot going on in there. I, I mean, I know I got the urgent 911 message about the changing of the article, and, and even as I was doing some research after the fact, I don't understand how that can even take place with some of these major tournaments. It's confusing for me as well. I mean, you know, we talked about this on IGN uh, Esports Today with Kevin Naki. We talked about the just the absolute amount of tournaments that there are out there. 
there are so many that these guys are playing. Uh, I, I did some numbers. Luminosity, up until May 1st, had 72 match dates. They had played on 72 different days, and that's not even taken into consideration their travel day, their practice days, and all those things. So, I mean, I can see why some teams would drop out, and that hurt this tournament just a little bit, uh, as their numbers don't seem to be as strong on stream. I don't think they're pulling in uh, the amount they did. But I will tell you this, the uh, competition is good. With Virtus Pro and Natus Vincier, uh, Navi, they lost Adobe and Gaming in the first round, 2-1. to one. I mean, that's pretty sick. And then, you know, Adobe and Gaming, they win in the semis. I mean, this is a team that just bailed for some reason and got a different name and then uh, made it to the winner's finals. And uh, they're going to await Navi in the loser's finals to see who uh, plays Virtus Pro in the grand finals. All these final names. Well, you were just talking about before, what's the biggest early round upset for you in this tournament? Oh, absolutely. It's got to be Dobrian Gaming beating okay. Navi in that first round. I mean, that thing went three. That thing went three games. And uh, look, on overpass, Navi set the tone. They went 16 and 11. They won that first game. But look what happens. Map number two, lookout, 16 to nine on Mirage, Dobrian Gaming took it. I don't. I think Navi might have went into what I call cool guy mode. Yeah, we got this, man. And then they get wrecked. And then you're looking at that last map. Anything can happen in a best of one because that's what they turned it into. And they beat uh, Dobrian Gaming, beat Navi in overtime on train 1917. I mean, these guys are playing pretty well. And that to me is the biggest upset of uh, the tournament so far. So is that a situation where if Navi plays them nine times out of ten, they win? It was just that tenth time that they lost? The, I mean, that's the way I look at it. Uh, Navi is supposed to, uh, you know, make it to Virtus Pro and get to the finals and to see who wins. But Navi doesn't seem to be playing very well, man. You know, they they go three with Flipside in the losers bracket. Um, you know, Flipside beat Navi sixteen to four on the first map on train. So I think maybe Navi came into this thing thinking they were just going to go on uh, autopilot and get through. But I think the other teams were gunning for them. And uh, they've they've stepped up their game and have won their last two matches, 2-0, uh, beat Hellraisers 2-0, and uh, beat my current favorite team uh, with Pronax, Godsent. They beat them 2-0. Navi will face Dobrian Gaming in a rematch of their first round upset to see who gets to play Virtus Pro in that grand finals. Okay, so who do you think is walking home with the title? Well, it's going to be Navi against Virtus Pro in the finals. I've been wrong quite a bit recently, but so you may want to bet against this pick. But I'm going to go with Virtus Pro. I'm going to I think they're going to win. I think it's going to go the distance, however. I think it'll be a 2-1 game, but I do think Virtus Pro is going to take this uh take home the title. Uh, here I was hoping you'd make some crazy predic prediction like Splice winning the whole thing again. Well, that would be pretty crazy since uh, they're not in it, but I am predicting Splice to finish last. I'm but, talking uh, lounge gaming. Yes. Oh yeah, lounge gaming, you know, uh they're no longer lounge gaming. They're Dobri and gaming now um i can never say their first name much less this new name yeah i don't even who's dobry is it just some dude with a wad of cash like hey guys start my team you guys want to play and then these guys go on and get to the winner's final and it's one match away from the grand final this is killing me but joe i want to talk to you about something that was hilarious after dropping a tough 2-1 first round match against virtus pro alexander simple kosilev and his worst players team would take on SK Gaming, and in the opening pistol round, Simple would get a five-headshot ace with his USP in my Get Wrecked 
moment of the week. Flash in. Actually, it doesn't really work out because they blind fix as well. He turned back slightly too soon. Gives the advantage to Magic. He's going to be able to pick up the opening kill. Give SK a chance on this pistol round. Further oh, damage. God. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> what are you made of, my man? This is insanity as he holds this off. And another one. There it is. There's the ace from Simple. He gets all five. And that is absolute ridiculousness. I was about to say, low HP inside of the site. They got the opening pick. That was done and dusted. And Simple just absolutely slaughters them. Oh, God. Oh, God. Seriously, though, I won't make fun of him too much. If you were doing that, how how long would it take for you to actually pull off a play like that against five pros? I would say never in the history of my gaming would I be able to do that. This was a USP <laughs> pistol round, and Simple goes ham. He just he, It's absolutely incredible that this guy got five headshots with his pistol for the ace. Um, you're going to need to watch that on YouTube because that is a special moment. That's one of those things where you bust out the LeBron James. Not one, not two, not three, <laughs> not four, but five. Five headshots. That's right. No, five headshots. And that's funny because Simple really is a really good player. You know, coming over again from Team Liquid, playing with worse players. Um, he's doing a good job with these guys. They're not getting, you know, the winning results right now. Um, but they're playing tough. They drop a match 2-1 to one to Virtus Pro and beat SK Gaming, beat them up pretty good, and then went three with Godsent. So even though they weren't getting the win, Simple's uh, had a great effect on this team so far in this tournament. Let's talk about a game that I think I could actually be a pro in. Uh, that first-person shooter. Oh, stop yeah, it. Absolutely. I used to, yeah, Call of Duty, bro. I used to play that game, no joke, two hours a night forever. But uh, when uh, EA Sports stopped making their 2K edition of the uh, MLB, I haven't touched my Xbox since. But I'll You're tell you outdating what. yourself right now. Yeah. I don't think they made an Xbox in the 1980s when you were playing. Oh, my gosh. I, I think I was playing Call of Duty on my Commodore 64. No, but I'll tell you what. Let's talk to you. You're the guy that knows all about this Call of Duty stuff. And I'll tell you, it, it's exciting. I mean, there's a ton of guys playing it, man. There was a lot happening in Call of Duty this week, particularly with 100 Thieves. Nelson, their, one of their arguably their best players in Slayer, re was released, dropped. I'm not sure really what you want to call it. Um, and... For a day, we didn't know what was going to happen, with most of the pros having already signed on with different teams uh, prior to MLG Anaheim. It was kind of like, a, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, especially with the team just starting out in the CWL. Well, Nade shot the owner and uh, probably one of my favorite Call of Duty players of all time, pulled out a big win in my mind by Damn picking up Aches. Just going over the Nelson situation, though, he made a twit longer. Kevin, do you know what twit longer is? It's basically for people that can't say anything in 140 characters. So you click on a link and then they can write a book. I had no idea what it was until I saw this. Um, and I guess some people use it. Obviously, that's that's pretty close to what Nelson used it as. Um, this definitely wasn't going to be done in 140 characters. But it was essentially his explaining why he left 100 Thieves. Now, keep in mind, 100 Thieves owned by one of the most popular Call of Duty gamers of all time. A lot of money in the team. And he's really been proactive in pushing the players to be more successful, getting them more appearances socially. I'm talking like YouTube stuff. I'm talking Twitch like it's a real money making thing that he could be helping them with. Instead, Nelson leaves. Big surprise. Here's his reasoning for it. I'm going to read straight from his twit longer right now. Tonight, I have basically made the decision to leave the 100 Thieves Call of Duty World team and look for a number team. I tried making the team work. No one was consistent, really. Being the only one who truly wanted to grind and get better made things hard. And I'm not saying I won before it on the team, but I should not be on a two and six team where there are zero signs of improvement. Keep in mind in his in his tweet, he's like, 
I'm not trying to bash them, but wow. this is how I feel. So yeah, you tell me as a coach, as a teammate of other sports, if you're reading that from a former teammate, what are you thinking right now? I'm thinking that I wouldn't touch that guy with a 10 foot pole if I was anybody else. Um, I don't, you know, I, I call it the Terrell Owens uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, look, Terrell Owens made you a lot of money because he was absolutely a superstar. And I think Nelson is a superstar as well, but they're they're not playing for that amount of money that's going to let him be a diva. And so if he's looking for another team, management absolutely is going to go to the players and go, hey, you know, I'm talking to Nelson. I'm thinking about bringing him on. If you don't think that these guys are going to go, did you just read what that guy tweeted about uh, his former team? You've got something coming because this, that that is not the way you endear yourself to team owners from other places. Oh, exactly. And I mean, you're talking about superstar. I know that he's in the pros, so he's he's a good player. And he was one of the better players on 100 Thieves. But to say he's that talented, um, I would say is a lie. I don't I don't think he's that that great of a player. And that's not to knock him. Like I said, I, there's no way I could do half the things these guys do when they're playing games. But there's he's not that good. So to be throwing that kind of wording around is just ridiculous. Here's my favorite two lines of the whole twit long, okay? I'm gonna read this to you. I'll give a little reaction afterwards, but I'm just it baffles me. I have one of the best hard point games, especially with the role I run, and the best search and destroy KDs and kills per search. What? Like statistics say that's not true. There are statistics out there that say, no, that's not right. He goes on to say, I always hated seeing our capture the flag and uplink record because, man, I actually love capture the flag and I really can take over that game mode with the sub machine, but this team just couldn't get anything done. I tried saying what to do in uplink, but you can get the horses to the water, but you can't make them drink. He's saying that about a former team. He could make tons of money with them. He wasn't that good. And he's saying this kind of stuff. I think the differences with traditional sport athletes and esport athletes is how they handle these kinds of things. I mean, you do, you have the Allen Iversons of the world that are going to, you know, crap on their teammates and I'm better and these guys aren't very good. That's a once in a lifetime guy. I mean, Kobe could say that. LeBron can say yeah. that. Um, Nelson? I don't think so. And he's, it's going to be a lower tier team that takes him. Mark my words. Somebody that's struggling, somebody that needs a little bit of a bump. I don't think uh, one of the top tier teams is going to take him for a little while, uh, as I think he's damaged his stock after that twit longer. Look, there's only so many pros. There's only so many people can that can do this kind of stuff. So he's he's probably going to wind up back on a team. And later on, he goes on to talk about his competitive streak and how he just really wants to win. And, you know, like that's saying what you're supposed to be saying. Those are the right words. But I don't think you can couple that with damaging your teammates especially one that's uh, such a popular team not good but popular team it's just not a good way of doing business in my mind and that's what was most disappointing seeing that i could actually see him going to a european team now it would take a lot of money because they have to bring him over and get him all situated he's got the skills that would probably be one of the best players in the european side i just don't know how long that would take or even if he'd be willing to do that kind of situation because he still thinks he's going to be on a north america team well i think that you hit it on the head some of these guys do not understand uh, that it's now a business with this taking off with the amount of money that's coming into esports it's now a business and business owners don't like to lose money and when you have guys like this that are trying to be divas 
that are speaking negatively about their team, their teammates, and, you know, with the logical chain, their organization, because obviously their organization hasn't done anything to, uh, you know, remedy the situation. So I think this was a very poor move by Nelson, and I think he's going to feel the repercussions of it as that moves forward. I don't like wishing bad things on people, but I just don't think that he's going to be in a situation where he's going to get better opportunities than what he was with in 100 Thieves. And I totally agree with you. Joe, who's going to replace Nelson over at 100 Thieves? Well, we didn't know uh, what was going to happen after he was after Nelson quit, I guess. I mean, you could say released, he quit. But then 100 Thieves made what was really a shocking decision to bring in Aches. Aches was formerly with Team Envious in the CWL Stage 1, and that was obviously the team that made it to the playoffs but then opted not to practice because they hated each other so much. <laughs> wow. Aches apparently was the big reason why the whole miscommunication and team chemistry plummeted because they were one of the best teams in Stage 1. So the fact that he was brought on by 100 Thieves is a big deal. The fact that he was originally with Counter-Logic Gaming, because they were Counter-Logic Gaming signed him to play in the MLG Anaheim tournament. So he had to either get bought out or forego his contract. We don't really know what happened um, to join to join 100 Thieves. That's a big deal. Well, I feel like it's a little WWE script going on over here. They're tag team partners, but they don't like each other. They're playing to win, but they don't practice with each other. They have arch villains and arch enemies. It's, uh, it, it's funny because knowing you and knowing the nice guy that you are, uh, it, it must be a little bit difficult for you to fathom just the absolute, uh, I would say attitudes that are being thrown on thrown around here with these guys well, it gets the way me frustrated. Treat, yeah the way they treat each other i know as a professional coach for 26 years that if you don't have the camaraderie and the bonding of the team going in a single direction um you're never going to win anything good can you play yes can you get some things done yes but you're never going to win at all if you don't have that camaraderie and that respect, which is the big word. You've got to respect your teammates and your organization. And I felt like Nelson completely disrespected his team with that. And Aches really was the same way when he was with Team Envious. From everything that people have said and everything we've read is that he really caused a huge cancer on the team. And to bring to for 100 Thieves to bring him on, it was a huge signing, both I think for the standings in the CWL, as well as a statement thing, because now this is the biggest part. You're talking about WWE storylines. Nade shot. I keep bringing him up. He was the four, he's the owner now of hundred thieves, but he was one of the best players a long time ago, a long time being like a year, Kevin. <laughs> um, they aches and Nate shot were bitter enemies aches when Nate shot was playing would repeatedly beat him in championship matches and just own him when he was playing. So to have now Nate shot owning aches, bringing him onto the team is a huge deal. Aches is a 19-time champion, and that's what Nade Chat was kind of alluding to when he brought him on. He thinks that Aches is going to bring a, a level of experience to the team, and he's going to let Aches, for the most part, make the team up for how he wants to. So I think that's how Aches is going to have a good situation with 100 Thieves. I think that's how 100 Thieves is going to get better, and I think that's how, as a whole, we're going to see these players with attitude issues have to be handled. Well, I think that's a statement that they're sending to Nelson by picking up Aches. It's like, yeah, we can pick up somebody just like you that's going to help us win. And the funny thing is, I think the team that is starting to find their groove and starting to find that chemistry is, uh, we talked about them last time, man, Dream Team. Check out those guys atop the standings right now. How's that going for them? They've had a terrific uh, start to the season. They're 6-2 and two right now. Their lone struggle, well, not their lone struggle, but they lost in Week 5 to Team Envious, but then they were able to have a huge match against H2K. I know we discussed them last week, so I don't really want to go into it too in-depth, but 
the Rise Nation victory that they had in week four was one of the biggest ones they've had all season. We talked about how they haven't been very successful in 3-0 situations. Okay, that's fine. Not many teams can just 3-0 other ones. That's just how the pros work. But they've really been, and this is surprising to me, a solid team at the slaying category. So we're looking at their Rise Nation victory. They beat them 250 to 154 in the round one hardpoint match. Rise Nation is considered one of the better teams in hardpoint. Not the best. I'll give you that. One of the better teams. So that was a thoroughly dominating victory on their part. Now, they went on to lose the Search and Destroy and Uplink, which is a little bit of a surprise because Uplink is another slaying category game. But they were able to bounce back and capture the flag and another Search and Destroy. I think that's how you're seeing Dream Team be so successful. These Search and Destroy victories are really the whole – they determine so much in these contests, especially these round fives, one through fives, when you play two search and destroys, if you are good at them, that's almost two guaranteed victories. And Joe, talk about a team that's struggling right quick. How about H2K with the real rough week, dropping both matches to Dream Team and Rise Nation? Right too quick. I like that a lot. I'm going to have to start using them more often when I talk. <laughs> yeah, H2K, we had talked about them also last week along with Dream Team, and we kind of said this was the pivotal week. Will they be able to knock off some of the big powerhouses? Dream Team's not really considered that yet but rise nation certainly is and what we learned was overwhelmingly no no can't can't do that well against them i think if you look at their thursday primetime matchup if you want to give an nfl reference <laughs> against dream team you could really see some of the issues that this team is going to have later on legal's been one of the biggest impacts for their team h2k so far but he really wasn't much of a factor in the match against dream team only putting up a 64 66 kd i know fears had a great game he had an over one kd but if you look at fizzer who has also been kind of a surprise thus far this season oh boy that's an awful struggle with the 51 70 kd against dream team i think that's where you're going to start seeing h2k struggle particularly in the search and destroy matches if dream team can continue to be successful in search and destroy h2k is going to drop because of their lack of search and destroy play and if you're going to hope to make it into the playoffs which they're going to i mean they're already five and three so that essentially locks them in um you have to do damage in those search and destroy matches against strong caliber teams like optic gaming rise nation well i'm looking forward to watching a couple of these matches like you, you know i'm not super into the call of duty scene but i know uh anaheim mlg anaheim's coming up i will be in attendance with that so i'm gonna get an immersion by fire I'm going to be able to watch a ton of matches and kind of get in on this. Uh, Joe, are any of these teams we're talking about now, are they are they going to take place uh, in the MLG Anaheim? Yeah, I believe all of them are going to be competing in it. That's kind of part of the oh, deal. Uh, although I don't know how this, the format is structured yet. I know it's going to be like a best of situation, so it's not a you lose, you're out. Okay. But I don't know how the pros are facing uh, or how it's working quite yet. I think that's going to be announced very soon. And Joe, I know there's a lot of Call of Duty action that's going to happen in MLG Anaheim with good things and bad things. I think you've got a great get wrecked play of the week. Still standing. This is the dart we were talking about. Joe's going to struggle to turn around as quickly as he needs to. And to tag with a flak jacket, he has to hit one more. And that player is moving a little too quickly. He's going to oh, hit his team. No! <laughs> no! Oh, you? God. <laughs> yeah, Joe's was having a terrific match against the Powerhouse Millennium on Splice's way to beating them in the Thursday primetime matchup. He threw a dart, <laughs> tagged the Millennium player with one of the rockets, only for the Millennium guy to then use a specialist glitch to juke out of harm's way. And as it was going by, the dart then runs right into his teammate, killing him. He killed his own teammate. He killed his own guy. That's called getting wrecked. Killed I mean, that was a great spe- specialist move, but yeah, definitely a get wrecked moment of the week. What a great move. No, that I'm looking forward to watching plays like that in Anaheim 
as I kind of immerse myself in the Call of Duty world. And that's coming up here pretty quick. Uh, Joe, we've covered a lot of topics today with James Dreamweaver Bates, basically giving us a clinic on League of Legends. Talked yeah. a little bit of CSGO and the Star Ladder iLeague Invitational. And then we got to your sport, Call of Duty. I think we've covered the trifecta, Joe, and I think it's time for you and I to go get wrecked. What do you say? I think it was a great week. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a conversation again with you next week, doing this podcast. It's really one of my favorite things, and I'm enjoying my time with you so far. For Joe Bartle, this is Kevin Hitt. This was Get Wrecked, episode two in this podcast. Be sure to subscribe. You can find Joe Bartle on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports, and you can find myself, Kevin Hitt, at Kevin underscore Hitt. That's two T's. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast of Get Wrecked. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we hope to see you all again next week. Take care. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal a truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.